0: In this life change process, you see, God wants to redeem your identity. And in so doing, he may even change your name. It's some of those identity things that he changes. Sometimes it's your view of yourself that he wants to redeem. Some of you have never really updated your view of yourself. You're still that kid who used to make the stupid choices. Sometime in your later teen years or uni years, you made some choices. You're going, what was I thinking? Look back at old pictures. Look at your hair, look at your style, and you're going, what was, what was I thinking? Just your view of yourself. Some of you have never really embraced what God sees you like. The person he sees you are becoming, you still don't get it. It's also your sexual identity. For many of you sitting here, in many ways, old behavior, but you've never embraced and allowed God to redeem the best of your sexual identity. The, the fun, the holy, the best part of that, to old patterns that were destructive in the past. So I have an issue. Some people just have control issues, I guess. (laughs) As you can see, I'm no expert on female issues, having never been one. But in the young leaders, things they do around the world, we discover that many young women, the God is really shaping them into leaders. When they have that opportunity to step into the best of what God has for them in the future... They revert back to little girl fears. No, no, that, that's how you used to see yourself. That's not how God sees your future. And there are some blokes around who aren't blokey anymore. But they're not sure what they really are. They just know they're not that same old guy. They're not sure what comes next. So I want to focus this morning in this life change process. That sometimes as God is changing you, changing your life, He may actually change your Now let me give you the big focus of today. We asked last week for you to take on the willing spirit. This one's subtly different. This is the key word's allow. Allow God this morning to redeem. Change. Go back and restructure, recreate your identity and in so doing, possibly even your name. we are looking this morning at Genesis chapter 17, as we begin, I want to give you sort of life-change stories in the narrative, if I can. We won't be going verse by verse through anything, but give you four stories of people whose not only lives were changed, but their names were changed. The first one in Genesis chapter 17 is Abram, that we mostly know as Abraham. Now, some of you are going, these are sort of subtle changes. Like, I thought a name change would be, you know, I used to be this, and now I'm, I'm like amazing. No, very often there is a structural significance of the name. That in its Hebrew form, or in its Greek form as it was originally written, one change of vowel, or one letter different, created a whole different perspective on someone's name. And so in Genesis 17 with Abram, your name will change if or when as you keep the covenant with God. So many places in Scripture, there are conditions to life change. Remember we've been talking about how much God's responsible for and how much you're responsible for? This is one of these that clarifies part of that. God was going to change Abram's name to Abraham and make him a mighty nation. Although at 75 years old, he did not have children. And so came to him and said, I'm going to make you a great nation. He's going, oh, God, check, check the clock. man. I'm, I'm like 75 already. And my wife, Sarah, you, you know, we've not been able to have kids. And from God's perspective, it's so. But from human perspective, it's like, that's seemingly important detail here. Like, did you miss this one, God? God just goes, come on, I I can take care of this one. So there will be conditions to the covenant. Over the next few weeks, I'll mention covenants several times. Covenants are agreements that people enter into. Nations enter into them, individuals enter into them. This one is between a person and God. But there are conditions. If you follow these, if you do your part, God says, then I will do my part. There are timelines to this covenant. Way back in Genesis 12, God says, to "Abraham, I want you to leave where you are and go to the other. Side. Only his was the known world was much smaller at that point. I'm to go, and I will make you this great and mighty nation." Abraham's going fine, but I, I don't have any children. No worries, God said. You, you didn't know God was Ozzy, did you? yeah he, he is we're discovering that and here in chapter 17 there's more about what god is going to do in and through abram there's also a sign of the of the covenant your name will change and as we look at this passage in just a moment the sign of this is going to be circumcision now this one if this one doesn't make you smile you have no sense of humor God says okay I'm going to change you I'm going to change you dramatically you're going to be different you and your descendants are going to be different than any other people on earth and here's what I'm going to have you do and I'm sure when God whispered this in his ear Abraham's going God are you serious like we we, we have to like cut that like can't we do something else can't we like do a pierced ear Uh, can't we shave our heads can't we do something we we have to do that? God says, you, you do. Because it's symbolic of what God wants to do. To slice the heart and peel away the old self. And expose that new heart to God. It's the image. It's the symbol. So pick up on the text, please. Let's look at these first few verses. I mentioned in chapter 12, Abram was, was a seventy-five. Now in chapter 17, when Abram was 30, was excuse me, was ninety-nine years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. If you do, I will confirm my covenant between me and you and greatly increase your numbers. Now, remember earlier I said notice the timelines? Abram's already too old to have children in his mind. God comes to him and says, I'm going to make you a mighty nation. Now, wouldn't you assume, if you're already sort of old to have children, that God would do this rather quickly? It's, notice the timeline, 24 years later. Now, God, that's just cruel. You tell this old couple you're going to have children, and then you wait 24 years to come back and say, Yeah, now I'm going to do it? You see, with faith, you trust God no matter the timeline, no matter the circumstance. Because the promises of God are about him, not about you. And it's your job to keep trusting him, no matter the times. Because of what I do, I get to listen to the very personal stories of faith, to a couple thousand people every year depending on the day I either get to listen to 2,000 stories or I have to listen to 2,000 stories. Depends on the day. One of the biggest confusions, though, is this time thing. I thought God was going to do this, but he hasn't. And I say he hasn't yet. The last chapter of your life has not been written yet. And the power of God is great. Notice how God identifies himself. I am God Almighty. I can do anything. And so it's now been 24 years. Come on, you know human nature. 24 years you're going, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. But with God, 24 years, it's not that long. Verse 3, Abram fell on his face and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will now be Abraham. I will make you the father of many nations, and you, I will make you fruitful. And he's going, God, this is going to have to be you, because, you know, Sarah and I, we're, we're not doing that well right now. Um, it's been a long, long time. I love how God works like this. I was doing a conference on a family conference in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. You don't want to know where that is. It's just dreadfully cold way north. And uh, there was a good university there and a great church, similar to this one. And we were doing a family conference. And I began this name change thing, began to really focus. We would do in our family conferences and other things, we would block off almost two hours and walk people through what we called a guided prayer time. Who just said, your jobs to simply be quiet for about two hours and ask the Spirit of God to come and lead you through your life, to identify anything that He wants to change. And as I began doing these, I started these actually about twenty-four years ago, I was just figuring it out, because I, I knew all these people who needed some counseling, some inner healing, some Holy Spirit stuff. They they needed about five different things, and I'm thinking going to take like 20 sessions or so. I don't have time because there's hundreds of people who need this. Let's see if we can do it all in less than two hours. It worked. So I thought if it works with one, let's see if we can do it in groups. So we started doing groups of five or six and the outcomes were pretty good. So then we tried groups of a couple hundred. The most we've ever done, I think, is 3,500 in one afternoon. It it saves a lot of counseling time. I I highly recommend it, Barry. (laughs) But on one of these in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, it was one of the first times this had ever happened to me. In the midst of doing this, I felt clearly that I should say, God is going to change the name of some people today. Now, I'm not one who gets this stuff that often, but this was pretty clear. God wants to change some people's names. I thought, okay. And and as I was listening, I thought, like, do I just make that statement? And it was the funniest thing for me. It was... He's going to change three, maybe four. And I'm going, I I don't work like that. If you're going to give me a number, will you give me an exact number? Like, I don't want to, I think there's five. No, maybe, maybe, maybe more out here. No, I want to know specifics. It was three, maybe four. So I went, I'm I'm going to give it three, maybe four. When the uh, prayer session was over, there was a a man waited to the end. And he came up to me and he said, I'm the fourth. I said, how do you know there were three in front of you? He said, because when you said that, it was as if God spoke to me the first time ever. He said, You gotta realize I come from a Mennonite family. We don't hear voices. He said, It was clear. I will change your name, but it's two days of repentance for you. Whoa, two days of repentance. I, I can usually cover it in a couple of hours. You you're in trouble. <laughs> I said, I just have one request. Will you email me and just give me an update? And he said it actually took him four and a half days of praying through family things and identity things. And he said, and I got a new name. And he told me what it was. You can't make up stories that good. Because not only did God give him a new name, he redeemed every part deep, deep into him and his family. And change it for generations to come. The next one follows right after this because it's not just Abram, it's his wife. Her name was Sarai. And as her. The power of God. You see, sometimes the change is more about God and less about you. You just happen to be one of the players in the great economy of God. He loves you for the very details of your life. But in many ways, he just wants to use you to bring glory to him. That's the story of Sarah who became Sarah. And it shows what new life can be. Let's pick it up in verses 15 to 17. Because she's a key player in this whole, I'm going to make you a blessing to many nations. Verse 15, God also said to Abram, As for your your wife Sarai, No longer will she be called that, but her name will become Sarah. I will bless her and surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of many nations. The kings of peoples will come from her. And Abraham fell face down and laughed to himself. You you can get this picture. Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at ninety? Women, I just want to say to you, if you trust God, who knows what can happen? Some of you are going, can it please not be this one? Some of you are going, look, I'm, I'm like 50 or beyond, and please, God, surprise me in many ways, but not this one. Not, I'll take most anything from you, God, but please. Uh, this, this is like bad on my body, bad on retirement. I don't think I have the energy. I can hear the, I can hear the excuses Come. And I'm sure Sarah was going, God, 90. What were you thinking? Like, I thought I was already too old at 65 when you said this was going to happen. But God, look, I'm 90. God just smiles. He just smiles. Because he knows what he can do in the lives of people. And sometimes it's about you, and sometimes it's just about what he wants to do. The fourth story comes to us a bit later, Genesis chapter 32 this about uh, Jacob soul. all through the night, with what was called an angel of the Lord, an angel of God. His name changed. Your name may be changed a reminder of different you are. Or you are to be. Sometimes it's a reflection of what's already happened. And sometimes it's a reflection of what's the next step. That when God's dream for you, it's this next thing you're going to become. And so sometimes it really is a wrestling. An actual wrestling with God. Because it's going to be about deep change. Deep change. Can we go two slides forward, please? I want to talk about how deep he wants to take this. Because it may be time for us to really wrestle. Not just hope something changes, but really wrestle through stuff. Because sometimes you sit in church or you're sitting someplace, and you have this sense that God wants to do something, but there's just not time to take it very deep. In this particular account, God wanted to take it very deep. The old images of yourself he wants to go after. Because you've got to wrestle through the old identity and actually renounce some of them. Break their hold in your life. Old images of yourself that have never, ever been updated. Old names given to you. Often families don't mean it to be cruel. But we say things about children. Sometimes even say things to children that stick for the rest of your life. And they stick almost like a curse. Kids in the neighborhood, they didn't mean to be cruel, but they are sometimes. The neighborhood, the playground, it happens. Some of you are given a name. Not by your family when you were born, but by somebody else, somewhere along the line, and you've never been able to shake it. Sometimes it's those old thought processes. You've changed the behaviors. You've never been able to change the thought processes. And God wants you to wrestle through those so you can break their hold in your life. Old views of former reality. We actually have couples sitting here today. And if I ask one question, one of you would turn to the other and say, you always do that. And in reality, he or she's not done it for more than 10 years. But in your mind, that's what they're like. How some of you do it to your family members or spouse. Some of you do it to yourselves. This is what I'm like. No, you're not. You've never actually updated your former reality. And those views still stick. This is the second time we've hit this final one. Any limitations that you've placed on God. It's it's an emerging as a theme that some of us do that. There's a summer conference camp that Diane and I attend every year just because a lot of the people we know and love go there. It's not a place we particularly enjoy except we enjoy the people, so we go. I've done a number of ministry things there over the years and including one of these guided prayers. It was interesting, there was a uni professor's wife who came to me one day and she said, that last time you did this and you mentioned people's names changing? She said, I thought, what a strange concept. She said, by the end of the day, I had a new name. She said, can I tell you my story? And with the look on her face, I couldn't tell her no. So I said, can I, can I have the short version, please? <laughs> and she said i was the youngest of four girls and for some reason i felt like just never seemed very happy to me she said my family used to talk about how much i cried i was a cry baby i cried at everything she said throughout my life my marriage i have cried all the time numerous times a week she says like i can't control it i've been to the doctor to see if it's hormonal It was since I was a child, not necessarily. She goes, I've been to therapists. It's never changed. I am a person who just cries a lot. I'm not necessarily unhappy, sort of, but I just cry a lot. She said, when we walked through that guided prayer time, God said to me, it's enough. You will not cry. Your name is now joy. but the biggest smile I've ever seen on anyone's face. She said, I have not cried for eight months. She said, I think I still can. I haven't become cold. I think I can still cry. But it's not uncontrolled and unsolicited. He's given me something I never had before. Now, there were a group of women standing there hearing this story. There was a woman from New York City young professional woman and she said I want a new name (laughs) and I said they're not mine to give I don't hand them out you can't purchase one Uh, it's up to God and she goes well why can't I get one and I stepped back and looked at her and I said most of your life you've been able to give everything you want you've got the profession you want you live in the place you want you went to the university you wanted you've gotten what you want You expect God to do the same thing for you. He may or may not give you one, but I promise you, He will not give you one until you break this demanding will of yours. Now, four days of fasting and prayer. Give back to me and see what God says. She goes, four days? I said, make it five. (laughs) She never got one. Because she'd never wrestled through her identity stuff. She was just used to getting what she wanted. And she liked it that way. You get the story. final one I want to look at is from the New Testament. Church for some time, this is a more familiar one. In, in um, Matthew 16, I think we have a minor typo here. It's, it's Matthew 16 instead of 26. Jesus has just asked the disciples. People think he is, and Peter has just made this great... that you are the Christ. And so Jesus says to him in verse 17, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by your Father in heaven. And I tell you now that you are Peter, in Greek, Petros. And upon this rock, another version of Petros, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not even prevail against you. Now, for some of you, this is the best name change story ever. Because Peter was one of those people who was so gifted at messing up in his life. Gifting. His ability to say and do the inappropriate thing at the worst of times. Peter was one of those guys who always had the answer whenever Jesus asked, but he rarely understood the question. Being, imagine being gifted at screwing up and then having Jesus say to you, I'm going to change your name and build the church on you. Because no longer are you going to be the guy who screws up all the time. You're going to be the one of character and strength and the power of God. I'm going to put into you. And in so doing, I will change your name. Because you're going to be different now. Your character is different. Your destiny is different. Your name and your image will be different. Let's wrap this up. You see, in Christ, in Christ, your identity is changed. Sometimes, Sometimes, as a reflection of that change, God may change your name. Not always, but sometimes. I want you to look at this next slide and not just look at it, but say, I once was. You fill in the blank. But now I am. And if you have no clear sense of what that is, then this is a day to stay here as long as it takes to begin to get some answers to this one. For some of you, I once was, and you think you're only this much different now. And God's going, I want to make it this. I once was, but now I am. A renounce. And by way of renouncing, leave behind those old names, those characters that you've embraced. And our key word, allow. Come on, allow the Holy Spirit to redeem your identity and your name. I want to finish today with a story about redeeming the Sanders name. One more six generations of Sanders men. In the mid-19th century, there was a physician, Dr. Sanders. He lived in London. He had two sons. Dr. Sanders was an adventurer, a risk taker. He had a nice practice in uh, London, but wanted something different. He heard about free land in the United States, which at that time was simply called America. And so he made his way over on ship to Boston, figured out Boston was way too crowded for him, and he heard about this place in Midwestern America where you could get free land. And so he left to go, figured I could start a practice, get free land, who knows what could happen. He had two sons, the oldest one, responsible one, became a physician. The younger one, the irresponsible one, became an alcoholic, womanizer, gambler. That's my side of the family. George Sanders had seven sons, the youngest being a set of twins. When the twins were born, he irresponsibly abandoned his family and left them penniless. They were sent, because mom died within a year and a half, they were all sent to orphanage or in those days work camps. My grandfather was sent to one of those work camps. There met another young woman whose family had been killed in an accident, and they got together, and Norman Sanders, Sr. had four sons. They began to start to redeem the family name with responsibility. It was World War II era. One of their sons was killed in Europe. My father was the oldest, became a businessman. Later in his life, a man of faith. He had three sons. I'm the youngest. So we've got another Dr. Sanders rolls along who has two sons. Now, just a couple generations ago, we had an alcoholic womanizer who literally died in an institution, blind, infected with social diseases. And now our two sons, three times a year, take somewhere between eight and 12 young men on a four-day camping, canoeing trip. Young men who have come to Christ. Young men who have no fathers. And they initiate them into manhood. Sometimes God will change your name. Sometimes, sometimes He will simply redeem your name for generations to come. If we go back five generations, you can't be any more irresponsible than George Sanders was. By the time Bo and Eric and myself are done, we will have been able to initiate several thousand men into the kingdom of God. God wants to change your identity, your name for generations to come. Pray with me, please. Lord, some of us didn't really expect this. We just wanted to come to church, the earlier service, and get out. But we have a sense that you want to do something deeper. So we want to allow you to do that by allowing, giving you permission, turning over our will and our control so that you can and will. In these next few moments, Spirit of God, will you speak in ways that people can hear? There's probably a few new names are going to come today. But even more than that, you're going to redeem some families today with a big smile for generations to come. We want you to do it for us and ask you, please, in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to sing a song. We intentionally left the front seats open because for some of you, your weeks are pretty hectic. It's hard to get time to just be alone with God. For some of you who either want to leave something behind today or take something with you while we sing this song there's nobody to pray with you this is just you alone with God come and take a seat in the front God is there a name change for me is there an old pattern to leave behind is there an old thought process is this about me starting a new pattern for generations to come this is your time we sing this just take a seat in the front row for a bit.